Escape from Plan A. All right, welcome to Escape from Plan A. Uh, this is uh, your host, Teen. I'm, I've I'm, I, apparently I'm in day fifty something or sixty something of the uh, quarantine. So uh, people are watching movies. People are you know just calling each other on these uh, you know talking to each other over the internet or whatever Zoom, talking about movies, talking about pop you know pop culture and stuff. So I've got uh, Adam over from the last episode where we were talking about. Um, about the about missing parents in uh in media in movies adam how's it going man hey how you doing man uh and i'm tume uh and tume gant who has you've been on the pod several times and we wanted you on and tume because you know a lot about film you know a lot more about it than us you are a professional in it and i want to know whether we're full of shit <laughs> as to what we're talking about or whether there's something to uh, these patterns that we're picking up uh, in movies. So, Tumay, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? And uh, I mean, I'll start off in short. Y'all are definitely not full of shit on that. You're totally correct. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. It's yeah. not just us then. I, I think there's yeah. things like I can throw in there, like to kind of maybe give a little bit of context on why some of these things are happening and then also or, or have been happening. But the other thing I, I thought was interesting you brought up, Teen, was about when you brought up black stories, because it's interesting that trope can't really work in the same way that I would say work in a white story. Yeah. See, that's what I was interested in. Actually, that specific yeah. question. Yeah. There's a whole political rem- ramification. If you do that, um, that we could get into um, with blackness and black fatherhood, lack of black fatherhood, that if you do engage in that, you kind of, enter a slippery slope and you could piss off a certain section of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so just to, just to recap, I mean, one of the things that I was um, picking up on a little bit, this all started when I watched this movie. Um, it was called uh, onward, you know, that new Pixar. I don't know if you had a chance to watch this. I haven't but, seen it. No, you know, I actually recommend it. I actually recommend it. Cause it, it's, it, it has some interesting, See, I don't know whether it re- like is one of those movies that ended up giving it away, you know, or inadvertently saying something or whether it was intentionally saying it. But one of the things about Pixar that I've noticed is that it's like of the th- major of the three major Disney franchises, which would be uh, Marvel, Star Wars and I guess Pixar, like Pixar is the one that gets away with the most whiteness. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, bo- both Marvel and Star Wars have to have to answer to these calls for diversity and diversity casting, diversity storytelling. But Pixar, by and large, gets away with it. Uh, in my in my opinion, doing almost like entirely white stories for like a white upper crusty liberal audience. And it's not really challenged in a way. And with Onward. Uh, there was, it just did something very interesting because it had like, it, 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 it was sort of like an alternative universe of white Americans where they <laughs> descended from this sort of like proto Nordic fantasy 
like, you know, history and people were still, you know, they were elves and, you know, wizards and whatever, but they had just lost all their magic, I guess, through consumer capitalism or whatever. They just forgot their specialness as these fantasy creatures from a Nord- from a quasi Nordic past. And I started wondering, like, is this about uh, like lost ethnic identity for white people or something? Is how really that was I was viewing that. So that that was sort of my jumping in point to this topic. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but Yeah. Yeah. And and that when you brought up the Godfather, I haven't seen Onward, but the you know, the Godfather is I think is one of I wouldn't say it's the first film. There probably has been were ton I can think of tons of films before that within the American canon that were dealing with this kind of the ethnic identity coming into the new world and how it transforms and how it has to transform. And the Godfather being like the tragedy of that, right? Michael is a tragic figure of that whole thing because he's like, he's supposed to be the hopeful one, but he tries to mix it. He can't find the balance. He marries a woman like Diane Keaton's character. Who's very waspy. You know what I'm saying? Trying to kind of move in and the whole tragedy of that. But once kind of the Godfather, I think happened, the seventies is a big, turning point for American movies because the seventies is kind of about this lost white male, right? The white male trying to find himself. And if you look at something like star Wars, which kind of ends the seventies, even though it's totally different from something like taxi driver or the Godfather, it's just star Wars comes from a very 1970s mentality when it comes to white male identity. And the fact that they're kind of separated from their heroes or they don't even know. Because if you look at guys like Lucas, Lucas, Scorsese, they they all grew up admirers of these filmmakers that they felt outcast from. So these guys were their fathers, right? Hey, the people who, who are some of those filmmakers? John Huston's, you know, uh, all the great 40s filmmakers. Oh, like Golden uh, Age type people? Yep. John Ford. Okay. They, all, they all grew up with those guys, on those guys. But when they came in, you know, Hollywood didn't necessarily like what they were doing. They were these, they were these new mavericks who were kind of coming in. But they were also very influenced by Europe, you know, th- by, by a lot of the, the French New Wave in the 60s. stuff. So, so they were kind of these hybrids. And, you know, they wanted to reconnect and they felt very lost. So the idea of them being kind of fatherless is also very figurative in their own identity. And people like Lucas and Scorsese and Coppola and so forth and Mm. so on. Right. It's kind of in their identity um, in in their brain. So the character of Luke Skywalker is very much someone like Lucas. The, the, The interesting thing about a lot of those guys in their movies especially their early 70s flicks is you see their kind of consciousness when it comes to how they relate to the kind of the greater world around them, right? Like you see you see how they vision themselves. Like when's the last time y'all seen Jaws? Uh, a while ago. If you look at the Richard Dreyfuss character that is totally 100% Steven Spielberg. It's mm-hmm. like he, right. he, re- he rewrote the character from the book. The book, the character in the book was this kind of like... Uh, you know, hot, young, blonde, was more like, more like a Paul Newman, Robert Redford type. And he, he, he totally changed the character to be like a Richard Dreyfuss, this kind of smart new guy who can kind of take out the old guard. Because remember, like you have the old guard who wants to do it a certain way and Richard Dreyfuss is going to come in there and kind of do it the new way. And the old guard dies at the hands of the shark. The shark kills him 
right? But Richard Dreyfuss is intelligent enough, along with Roy Scheider, who's kind of like in the middle. He's he's smart enough to help them get out of it. So all those movies are really packed with their kind of consciousness is like the new guys coming into it and them kind of separated from the culture that was before them, right? And, but kind yeah. of coming out of nowhere in a way, though, right? Like that that's that's kind of what I was getting with like um a lot of these uh fatherless characters was they seem to be self-invented in a way. Totally, totally. But imbued with a certain kind of power that was particularly potent, but they just needed to sort of put it to the test or right, something like to the that. Test. Like the force, basically. Yeah, you know? and and then they get some some like some mentorship. So like, you know, you could say Scorsese, if Scorsese was Luke Skywalker, maybe like Cassavetes was his Yoda. You know what I'm saying? He had the one little mentor and Cassavetes kind of an outcast from the old Hollywood guard. And he kind of mentored Scorsese a little bit. And next thing you know, Scorsese then can go into his Skywalker life and then like, you know, become what we wanted to be. Lucas, I, I, I wouldn't I don't know who his direct parallel would be, but Lucas is definitely drawing on his own existence and his own mentality. You know what I'm saying? And his own life when he's creating Luke Skywalker. It's definitely him. 100%. And, and yeah. And I, and I feel like that, that sort of, and that has parallels to sort of like America as a nation. Right. Well, that is totally like, now that's another thing I, I think y'all are totally spot on about. Like if you think about America, well, this is where like, I'm going to say two things for non-black people or like a lot of white people who come from the old country they have a separation from the old country right so if they go to you know europe or like france or wherever they're from they're not connected to it so the fatherland or the motherlands they don't have a connection to but they feel like they are imbued with this special power from them and they need to learn how to funnel it into this new kind of channeled Mm -hmm. force power now that they're in this new world and i think that's why Movies like Star Wars are very popular to the American psyche because it does think about a long time Americanness of where, you know, America comes from a place, you know, it came from Europe or, you know, something like that and reformed. And this is how you become the great America by finding your own thing. But it has the... uh, the a certain lineage to the old guard, but you're now the new 2.0 version like Luke Skywalker. But there's also this kind of like Oedipal thing, I think that exists with it, that you have to also kill your father <laughs> to hmm. kind of get to the next level. It's very Oedipal, which makes sense because, you know, we live in, we live in a culture that uses kind of classic drama as its, as its structure. So a kind of Oedipus type, you know, uh, take out the father for the so 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 the son can rise to his uh, next level, I think is also very, 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 very imbued in it. Here, here's a question what you mentioned about the European connection and how we feel um, cut or not we but like white Americans might feel cut off from from that lineage but on the other hand feel a need or an ability to kind of retap that mm-hmm. power that white power so to speak uh, do you think anyone but a Brit could have played Obi-Wan because I feel like it, it was almost necessary and sometimes definitely to get not, these definitely not you know what ben. I mean Definitely not. Then there's this, no like the, like it had to be a Brit. They could they couldn't exactly. use an American. Like maybe the only thing they could have gotten away with was using one of those um, you know William Buckley type speakers who could like do a kind of elevated speech. Mid Atlantic, no. yeah, like a Mid Atlantic style. Yeah, maybe they could have got away with that. But no, I, I see no scenario where like 
someone like Alec Guinness uh, or they wouldn't they wouldn't use. They had to. Like Han Solo has to be an American in my mind. Right. So yeah. Does Luke. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But the, yeah. And Yoda is like, like, I don't know. He's like Asian or something. <laughs> no, he's totally <laughs> Asian. Yeah. Oh, Yoda's Asian, right? Yeah. Is he's that, totally is that Asian. Going? Well, yeah. Well, think, but think about it. A big, a big part of Star Wars is what is Kurosawa Hidden Fortress. It is, yes, yeah. right. Hidden Fortress, Seven yes. Samurai. Like, so he's he's also talking about his his connection to Asian cinema, which I think is the which is a which is a big element to that seventies guard because a lot of their influences, while they, they they feel like they're the sons of John Ford and all these people, they also know that they were as equally influenced by Japanese fifties and sixties cinema. Or in forties and also sixties, uh, fifties um, and sixties European cinema, it equally, you know, e- if not even more. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Yeah. And, and sorry, go ahead, Adam. No, I, I was just going to say. Um, so, how does this relate to the um, to like the sort of black cultural uh, legacy in America? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the thing, and like. I had to do some thinking on this and like go to the actual films. Literature is different. I think in black literature, you have, you have a, a wide range that circuit that circles, you know, you have all types of investigations. So it's hard to say there's like a certain literary canon when it comes to books. Um, maybe in plays, probably not a, a bit more singular, but or not singular, maybe like two or three different styles. But when you get one to movies, it's very singular. And what you've noticed is like, Let's take like Spike Lee, for instance. Spike Lee wouldn't do that trope of the fatherless. There's only one movie of Spike Lee's that I can remember where he did the fatherless character. And even that, he did it in a a way where the guy had to reckon with it. So you actually are, you're watching the father, not the son, right? Right. You're watching the father who left, who left the child, not the son who has no child, right? So... But Spike always has those things. It becomes a tug of war of generations, very visible, right? So he, he he's into the as visible. a core aspect of the story is this exactly. sort of intergenerational exactly. uh, tension, right? Yeah, like look at do the right thing, right? You have you have multiple generations of, of black people, so you yeah. have the very older, like 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 Ozzie Davis and Ruby D. Then you have the current guard of that time, Spike Lee, Bill Nunn's character, Giancarlo Esposito. Then you have the kids who live on the block, like Martin Lawrence and stuff like that, the younger people and even the ones who are like teenage age. But there's always, even if it's complicated, there's always a relationship that's visible. Like, you know, there's not miss, they're not missing. They know where they are. There's no like orphanage, right? They're not orphans and things like that. They are like, maybe they have tension. They don't talk, Right. But there's definitely a relationship, and it even gets volatile. Look at like Jungle Fever, where you have Ozzy Davis has like big beef with uh, Sam Jackson's character, who is who's a drug addict, and even ends up killing him in the movie. He ends up shooting his own son. So you have those things. Not, but the and, idea, and, and not only are they not not only are they not orphans, but it's like you could write a movie where you just stay silent about the parents, like we don't say anything about right. them. But in this case, you're saying that the parents are actually. Uh, a core part of the story totally like, core part, we, or or your relationship to your parents is a core part of the story right like it it because i think black culture is really about analyzing generational things right 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 so 
But I think it's also a thing, especially in like a socially mobile kind of thing, like 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 Spike's like Spike's upper middle class, right? He's an upper middle class filmmaker. He's a he's a man. He doesn't want to also use the black fatherless trope. For him, that would be like a sore spot because of, of all the mythology that goes around black men not being fathers, oh, so forth and so on. So using that in a storyline would actually help push a trope that and 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 I, and I was trying to scan through my brain like pretty quickly. And I can't find a black filmmaker who even relies on that. Maybe like in TV shows, the only time you'll see it are in hood movies, right? But usually, like, right. like right. The, uh, the the black father was killed young, something like that. He, 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 you are you're you're displaced from your family because of circumstances like your your dad was a drug dealer and he was killed. Or he was put in jail. But even then, even then, they don't really follow the trope in the sense that the the movies, the sort of like inner city gangster tales that they would tell about kids that grew up without a father. I don't know. I mean, I I don't recall them really following the trope of the of this being a quest for the father no. or to find no, the father. No. Right? No, they're just usually, gone. No, yeah. they're, they're they're just gone or. It, it becomes a quest to find yourself or not repeat what your father did. It, it, it ends up becoming more like that. Like your right, father right. was a, your father was a shit guy or your father got caught out there and you don't want to get caught out there yourself. Right. Well, the right, only right. one that it, I can remember actually is boys in the hood where the two guys father is not mentioned. That's actually, it's actually because they, 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 they use it in contrast because you have Lawrence Fishburne, who's the present father to Cuba Gooding Jr. And then you have Ice Cube and um, what's his name, Morris Chestnut, who have two different fathers, and they never mention who the father is. But that's used as a contrast to show how good of a father Lawrence Fishburne is. <laughs> right, right. right. And, well, there's a different cultural context to not right. having a father with the black experience, where I think with the white white experience, it doesn't have that sort of historical weight Mm-mm. of not the at all. stereotypes and everything, right? Yeah, it doesn't, so it can it be doesn't. used sort of unapologetically in the sort of "quote unquote" pure orphan hero sense. Um, while if you did it as a black filmmaker, like you're saying, uh, it would be really, you know, it'd be used as like it just wouldn't be good. Like yeah, it, it would, it would, it would uh, hold hold down the narrative. One one example that comes to mind in Tume is one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies from the '90s, which is Friday. And in that movie, uh, the fought like Ice Cube. Uh, and his 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 father John Witherspoon, I think yeah. that, that, that's a big that's the central framing of the movie in a way. Yeah, right? totally. Is totally. the lessons that his that his father ultimately? I mean, it is sort of like this typical inner city comedy. It's almost like a right. It takes place in the same kind of setting as like a Boys in the Hood, but it's mm-hmm. it's a comedy. Right. But at the end, it, it actually kind of comes down to the passing along of parental wisdom. From one generation to the next, right? And that's totally it. You see that. You see that in Boys in the Hood with Lawrence Fishburne and Cuban Gooding Jr. Um, I, I had another movie that was just in my head. Like, even something like House Party, right? With Robin Harris and Kid, right? How he's just, you know, trying to teach Kid how to be a, a better man. And that one, the mother is dead. You know, the mother's the one who dies. Right. right. You know? And 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 then and then you, if you look at more like indie films, movies like To Sleep with Anger by uh, Charles Burnett, you know, everybody's present. They're just in conflict. They're just in mm-hmm. serious conflict, like fathers and sons have beef. You know what I'm saying? Mothers and sons, mothers and daughters have beef like it's mm-hmm. it's, it's usually much more about the conflicts they have 
and not so much about absentee. If anyone's absent, it's often the, the, the children leave, right? They, they do this mobility thing where they don't want to go back to the old neighborhood. You see a lot of that in the movies. They like leave you know, their parents you know behind. An, you know what's an interesting film that's sort of... Because I feel like there's movies that are sort of in the in-between that are mm-hmm. directly struggling with this. One is... Uh, you know that movie Wall Street? Uh, well, of course you do, but by yeah. the, the Oliver Stone film. Yeah. And uh, in that movie, uh, Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas, is sort of like this... Uh, he's kind of like a Darth Vader-ish kind of guy. Totally. And, Martin Sheen, who's uh, Charlie Sheen's actual father, of course, plays his actual father. And there's a tension between the the, the sort of like aspirational uh, Charlie Sheen as this young corporate stockbroker guy uh, kind of ha- like trying to aspire to a sort of mentor father like relationship with yeah. Gordon Gecko, And but on the other hand, this tension with his real father who's like trying to teach him longer lasting lessons. Yeah. And it was funny because that movie I felt if you rewatch it was fundamentally a tension between Martin Sheen and Michael Douglas, but it's totally sort of, yeah, but in the American, you know, the way that wall street has been enshrined in American culture, it's all about Gordon Gecko. Nobody gives a shit about Martin Sheen in that yeah. movie. No one's like, Oh yeah. Martin Sheen was so yeah, great. That's true. Everyone was like, Oh yeah. Gordon Gecko was a style icon. He was a badass. Yeah. Uh, you know, greed is good. And they totally forgot about more. I thought that was very interesting because later when Oliver Stone came out and was like, yo, he was supposed to be an anti-hero like that, that he was not meant to be the good guy. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no one ever talked about Martin Sheen, you know? Yeah, or the admired guy. Like, it, it, I think Stone definitely realized the, the bit of the error in his ways in the framing of the movie because Go- Go- Gecko, even in failure, you know, still is the icon, right? At the end of the movie, what? Gecko fucking gets caught. He loses everything. And That's everyone's right. still, I mean, it's like, it's like Scarface, right? Tony Montana gets shot up and killed, and what? Every young guy wants to be him. And it makes no sense. It's like, wait a minute. He's an idiot. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> I don't know. I think it kind of makes sense. Like, look at the people who are the heroes today in culture. Like, yeah, you're right. Um, Takeshi Six Nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all these guys. Like, yeah, like it, the good person isn't the hero anymore, right? Or doesn't win. You know, isn't yeah, admired it's, in, it's in a, culture. It's, it, it's very fatalist, right? It's a fatalistic li- way to look at your own existence. That you know blaze of glory is 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 an inevitable end to your life you know you know and so okay bringing this back to like asian american stuff it's like i mean there's not that much of a base to work off of honestly there's not that many asian american stories but the one we were looking at was um because it came out at around the same time was this uh there was a movie called always be my maybe which is uh, a sort of like yeah. rom-com uh-huh and that to me was the prototypical asian american movie was like and the farewell was like this. Um, there was a movie recently, Tiger Tail, that was about this. Of course, Joy Luck Club. And they always are, because they're about ethnic identity, first and foremost, they fundamentally are structured as intergenerational conflict. And yeah. the, you know, the 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 ways in which the parents misunderstand the child, vice versa, and how do they ultimately come in and reconcile these this um alienation. And so the parents are always in ethnically themed movies 
because it is about the passing. I feel like it's about the passing of identity from or the transformation of identity from one generation to the next. But then the other one that came out at around the same time was uh, um, Oh, It's All the Boys I Loved Before. And in that one, Laura Jean is uh, she's an Asian girl, but her mother is is gone. And so it's like, you know, I I feel like that's a bit of the same trope. It's like the motherless daughter is kind of like the fatherless son. Yeah. And there's enough. There's a hard break where it's sort of a movie about self reinvention. And that to me was more of a de-ethnicized movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How do you construct an identity when you don't have, when you're not, when you don't inherit it? It's not like handed down from one generation to the next. Does that make sense? Or uh totally. And 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 Adam, there's something I wanted to say to you after listening to what y'all guys talked about the other day because Mm -hmm. you you had mentioned something and and this is so in it's like melodrama studies. The whole thing about it is about you have to give your character a kind of a burden, right? Mm -hmm. That's like basic like melodrama 101 right so they're poor or uh they want a job but they don't have the skills or you know they want to be a baseball player but they're too overweight so forth and so on and (laughs) yeah you know what i'm saying like and you can't do it so you have to give an obstacle for yourself right now Another thing that's typically American is this ability to kind of reinvent yourself, right? Because that's what Americans did, right? People came from Europe, right? And they made Mm -hmm. this new land and now they have this new kind of culture. So this idea that you can reform yourself is really popular in melodrama, right? That that the the person who's poor can... Pretty woman, right? Pretty woman. Let's let's just use pretty woman as a classic melodrama flip, even though it's a comedy, more or less, right? But if you look at something like the idea of not having a connection to your past, right? That is the perfect thing to reform yourself. The more you give people things to anchor themselves on that they can't get away from, the harder it is to make them be able to break and become like new butterflies, right? And the whole idea of the person who doesn't it has like the like the dead parents or even the parent that they never knew is like writers love that shit. The writers love that shit because they can get up there and they can like turn these characters into anything they want. You right, know? exactly. There, there's no, there's no, um, there's no past to sort of anchor uh, the character, which right could be a good thing, right? It, 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 like if you're talking about a normal person, like oh, having an anchor is a good thing. But if for for uh, you know if you're yeah if you're creating a work of fiction, right. it's actually like a anchor weighing you down, and, and it limits your creative. Yeah avenues where you can go and if you don't have any connection to any of that you can go wherever you want and it makes sense like, you don't have to explain it too much it just yeah you know, they, they don't have they have no parents they have no past yeah so, in particular with melodrama yeah. because melodrama you need them to change so you need them fundamentally to become different so kind of what you were just talking about teen about these kind of characters who are like I, you said she's like a, a young woman whose mother died is that what you're saying yeah, like she's just she's not in the picture like by the time the movie starts, right? And right. and it, it it it's interesting. I mean, I I'm just I'm just saying that it was an interesting contrast to the other one that was more of a prototypical Asian American intergenerational yeah. thing about all oh, the tensions between first and second gen. This one was yeah. like to me more of the 
like, how do I invent myself? How do I create, you know, an identity for myself? Well, I mean, you know, I haven't watched all the boys look before, but reading various things about it from like, you know, y'all over at plan a and different and different things I've read about it. There feels like there's a social, a social mobility aspect to that show that is, 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 is prime for the idea of reinvention. Right. Yeah. If you want to be mobile and get out of yourself, these old things are shackles, right? They're shackles to you. You must break these shackles. I was watching something and I can't remember what it was. And they made someone's old past be like a shackle to them. Like their, and I mean like, like their family heritage where they ended up using their family heritage as, as a kind of a bargaining chip to get somewhere. But there was no real kind of strong emotional connection. And it ended up becoming how they were going to slick their way into something. And these stories are all about mobility, right? And I think a lot of when you're dealing with like, uh, you know, marginalized cultures, this is all about how do they make themselves more sellable to the the greater world? And these kind of social mobility pro- projects that I see a lot of these movies do, and black movies do it as well. Like, don't 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 get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. about especially now where social mobility is becoming such a you know. Uh, a, a prized thing in, in black popular culture, you know, getting into these higher levels, you're now seeing a kind of reformation of black stories where like social mobility is getting really popular and, and they're trying to find ways to kind of shed the need for like traditional blackness. Right. Look at like, look at something like, 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 like dear white people, the movie, right. Even like that movie had a really interesting turn at the end of the mil- movie where they had to kind of acknowledge that she's like, she's black but she likes Ingmar Bergman, right? So you can let that black mm. um, plower stuff go and keep it as a powder of your part of your past. But like, no, you're a little bit different. You're a little bit elevated, <laughs> and, it, and it's it was kind of bullshit. But like, it is very bullshit actually. But <laughs> it's something interesting I'm seeing uh, in movies, and but it's it's from an old trope where your past is your burden. Your past is your burden, you and you must reconcile with it and then move past it. I'm I'm wondering also about Adam what you said whether this is prototypically American because I keep what I've noticed is that there there seems to be a change in, in my eyes anywhere there seems to be a change lately where I feel like white audiences in particular are eager for stories that can connect them to some intergenerational uh like span you know uh um, too I think we both noticed this was like in Avengers, the 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 and was it called Endgame, the the latest one, the last yeah. one, uh-huh. where in, in, Captain yeah. America, the most prototypical of the American heroes, like <laughs> inherits the, <laughs> oh, yeah, God, exactly. yes. the hammer of Thor. Yeah, exactly. You know how he inherits the hammer of Thor. Yes, totally. And you, 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 and you know, Thor is interesting because, like, he's because he is not ethnically amalgamated into sort of America and, you know, uh, at some point lost his lineage. He is comes from a rich family background. Like he's, you know, Anthony Hopkins is his father. He's like an inheritor. He's got a rivalry with his brother. He yeah. lives very much within a family saga. And, yes. you know, we were we were saying that, like, you know, it seems like um, that's what's kind of missing in America is these uh the Shakespearean family sagas, right? Yeah. And that the fact that they had Captain America sort of inherit that to a degree, it just really 
sig- it just seemed very obvious to me. And then watching this movie onward where the, the, the children discover that their father was a wizard, which if that actually happened in real life, we know what that means. But they, they found, you know, they, they find his father was um, a little bit more than they had expected to just be because his father was an accountant yeah. by, by trade. But it Which turns is out another that he very had- tropey thing. Like if it's a, if he's meant to, if someone's meant to be sort of ordinary and boring, they it's make an him an accountant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> he has around. actually this rich. You know, the reality of these people is that they have a rich, magical, powerful history that they're actually a part of, but just somehow have, for whatever reason, been alienated from, and now they want to rediscover it. And I, I was I was sensing that in movies like Onward and in Avengers Endgame of this desire now to not just be self-invented Luke Skywalkers. And then even like mm-hmm. the way that the new Star Wars goes where, you know, we start to realize that Jedi, it, it might be kind of like a family like inheritance. It's not yeah. really it's not really this random gift of the force that it's like a universal gift that all people can tap it. It actually is is, is hereditary. Yeah, it's like genetic, right? It's like genetic and the Skywalker clan. We started talking about the clan and the mm-hmm. next generation and stuff. And it just started to 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 me to seem like are we to Adams to Adam to your point about whether this is a uniquely American thing. Are we now you think entering a phase where we're looking for that sort of generational continuity? Well, that's interesting. I mean that that that, that, that would that would say you're like back to like divine right of kings, right? You know, like well, yeah, and I was, yeah, and I said yeah. that, that it actually sort of, um, if they had had the courage to sort of be like, no, it's actually just could be anybody, and she's no, she's an actual nobody, because they were hinting yeah. at that for so long, and that would have been like a really bright spot in the new, you know, in the new trilogy, but no, but I think they sort of chickened out and got lazy. I mean, Game um, of Thrones did it. Yeah, you know, look exactly. John, John, you know, John, I John felt like no, he had he had yeah. to be the son, right? Of the of he had yeah. to be the right heir in the end. And it doesn't he, seem he very American, be the be- to be yeah. honest. To, it is to make them that way. It um, isn't, but because it's America's. Yeah, you're right. It isn't a very American Adam. But, uh, but it's an inter- interesting question, Teen. That whether like America is sort of yeah, American cultural uh, you know artifacts seem to be. Um, changing in their focus and sort of searching for that uh, history, that, that ethnic connection or that historical connection and not producing as many of these, um, uh, you know, these orphan hero types uh, right. that were, well, the that, twist- that are simple. They're in a way they're a simpler character um, and uh, something that are less, I, I guess America, you could say America is trying to mature yeah, maybe that's a sign of that. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to be a little more cynical, Adam, I, I, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think one way f- with respect to Marvel that I kind of view it is like I, I actually really like the early uh, Spider-Man f- films when they were standalone. <laughs> you know, like the there, there's Maguire a charm ones? to Spider-Man in that like he's he is very much a loner, you know, like he's like just this one kid with like a with like this weird superpower. And he he's sort of like a loner. And mm-hmm. in the Avengers, was he in the Avengers? Uh, yeah. yeah, he is, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, like they bring him into this new. The Avengers became became like sort of like an X Men style, where it's like it was like this elite class of warrior, where Spider Man sort of loses his identity and just becomes like one of the Avengers now. 
And it just doesn't have that the charm to me of the standalone Spider-Man where it really is like, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's yeah. no longer he's, just Spider-Man's story. Is He's like, he's got to be part of this larger class He's this weird of surrogate of for Iron Man, for, for Tony Stark now. Right. To, kind of, to kind of give Tony Stark a kind of fa- a, fa- a father, a father-like yeah, humanity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, he, it's yes. very yes. weird. Exactly. It's very weird. It, it, it actually doesn't even work as, as a trope. It's really is this Spider-Man done. really dirty in terms yeah. of that? Adam, is that is that actually part of the um, original Marvel universe, or is that an invention of no, the movies? No, it's, it's not totally part of it, ha- it. Was not part of um, uh, Spider-Man's sort of story until probably maybe like I guess the modern era of comics. And I would say I, I'm not a comic historian. I'm sure that. Uh, I'm, I'll be wrong about this, but it seems like they were trying to do that, build that in like the 2000s. Um, right, right. Yeah. And because I'll, like Spider-Man is actually a super interesting character. He's a very, I would say, like 80s. He's he obviously wasn't created in the 80s, but uh, culturally, he's sort of like a, a he's like a Gen Z sort of character. Well, that, that um, was his high point in the eighties, like like the the, yeah. the, the 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 Todd McFarlane years. That's like yeah, his um, his real high point. But he's a he's a Spider Man is a very well crafted character. Uh, yeah, honestly. yeah, he is, and um, he is very relatable. Um, yeah, he. Uh, I think people try like sort of forget that he's he's a scientific genius. Uh, he he he's a very local superhero. Like he only really. He he's in New York, and he, he only like patrols like you know Queens or wherever yeah, he's, he's from. He's a Queens boy, um, yeah. And he he doesn't really fit in the Avengers, and it's just no. that he's super popular. So Marvel tried to pigeonhole him or 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 sort of uh, um, shoehorn him into that, um, because Spider Man is one of the most popular comic book heroes of like all time yeah and um the avengers are like a c-list team to, uh, before they became like a before like the modern era of comics and and, and movies um iron man wasn't even that popular yeah Ave- uh, avengers comics always kind of suck i never i never i, I used to hate yeah. reading them they always kind of suck like yeah. captain america like it's funny like captain america wasn't i don't think that popular but since he's captain america i think Marvel sort of tried to keep him going. Like the comics is a very funny industry and there'll be books that don't sell that continue forever. And ones that are really popular that get canceled. It's, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but um, it, it only makes sense from like a cultural propaganda sort of like exercise and a political exercise. But um, yeah, like, Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man is a classic of this genre, I think, though, because his parents are killed, raised by his aunt. Um, he's got all these, like, you know, he's got all these talents, but no one really notices him. Uh, and he, then he gets super actual superpowers. Um, but Spider-Man is definitely one of, like, in that vein. Yeah, I, I felt like the the... Re- the- the overwhelming reaction to Avengers, like people got emotional about that last one. I wasn't really sure. I why, don't get it, man. But I'm starting to wonder if it is that res- is if, if whether Avengers is the movie or the franchise that was really able to resurrect some sort of like 
white ethnic identity that they like people could actually be proud of in in some sense. Do you know what I mean? Like well, I that think wasn't. Thor. I think Thor did that too. Yeah, Thor, and I think also the, the idea. You know, I, I I actually think the the whole Captain America grabbing Thor's hammer is actually especially twisted because that's just not. That's like that's literally saying the white American male is cl- is as close to godhood as you get. It's not like, yeah. you know, it's not like Black Panther can go and pick it up. It's not like Captain Marvel, the woman, could go pick it up, you know, who's who's 8,000 times more powerful than Captain America could ever be. But Captain yeah. America's spirit is so pure of heart, he can pick up the hammer of Thor. I mean, that's, exactly, that's pretty because fucking far out there. That's man. Exactly, what I'm saying. Because Thor's hammer that's can pretty only be picked up by the worthy, there. someone who's worthy. And no one else is right? worthy except Thor, some god of old, and so mm-hmm. it's basically popping up America as like what the heir to Asgard, Amer- the greatest of America is the heir to the Asgardian legacy. That's fucking. That's th- that's what I'm talking about, and mm-hmm. that's why I asked you earlier. Why do you, yeah. you know? Do you think? Do you think anybody but um, an Alec Guinness with a British accent could have played Obi Wan? I feel like in this yeah. case, you know, could there have been anyone but a Thor that would that would somehow bequeath his legacy to like an, a Captain America? Because you know, like we. I mean, I suspect that there is a lot of overlap between people who go nuts for uh for 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 Thor and Captain America and like Bernie Bros who who like love Sweden and Denmark. <laughs> like, <laughs> like like oh, there is this yeah. weird there is this belief that America in its best form will be Scandinavian yeah. in nature. Like if we could if we could like sort of get rid of our snobby Anglo you know things and and just ascend into the the enlightenment of the of the nordic people and the scandinavian people i feel like that's sort of i don't know there's this ongoing ethnic ideal idealization of scandinavia and you see it everywhere mm. like everywhere you see these books about what's the secret to sweden's success what is the secret to norway's you know how do they do it how and like where the elite the elites are always sort of like scouring the ways in which the scandinavians do things and I feel like part of it is because it's it's just less there's something more ethnic about the Scandinavians while also at the same time being very white and pure, mm-hmm. but not like German that, you know, where you're like, oh, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> and not British yeah. where it's kind of right. classist. Yeah. There's no baggage with the Swedes and the Danes. Right, right, right. At, at least for Americans. Right. Yeah. Um. And but they I didn't, didn't conquer Africa like, or anything ways like that. So you know they're 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 yeah. okay. <laughs> they yeah. they mostly conquered each other. Yeah, they weren't exactly. really messing. Yeah. But but isn't there actually? I think there's actually like some white supremacist like religion around um, uh, Vikings and shit. I forget. Yeah, totally. it's called, like called, Odinism or something. Yes. What is it called? Odinism or something. Odinism. Like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There totally is. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and, uh, and sorry, uh, but like in terms of like, another art form, I think where a lot of the protagonists are um, orphans uh, is video games and yeah. um, or have like no past. So somehow and a, a, a huge franchise in video games is Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And the newest one was announced like a week ago and it's going to be Vikings and the Internet and like video game nerds everyone were, went insane and i'm sitting here just thinking what's so great about this like it's just vikings 
but like people are going insane about it. There's so much about like male, like, you know, the Viking is just like that thing of male virility. You know, there's that all that energy, you know, the, 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 the viral male white identity is the Viking, you know, and all that shit. It's just the so, great white North. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's, it, I know it's, it's lame, Adam. I'm, I'm, I'm well, with you. It's just, lame. And, well, and, and there's a segment of like the gamer culture who gets upset is upset because you can play as a female Viking. Oh, wow. And, um, they're they're alternately really 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 obsessed with quote unquote historical accuracy, but then when it's historically accurate that you know Viking women did get out there and pillage and shit, um, they're upset though that that bit of historical accuracy is out there. Um, so they don't actually care about historical accuracy. I think they're looking for um, that like that propping up and creation of a white male identity they can be proud of. Chris, Chris used to talk about this trope uh, in a lot of like young adult novels, uh, which I'm not familiar with, but he said that there's, there's this like trope of like the young person who uh, realizes they were like, they're, they're actually like being raised in the wrong family. And they're, and this is kind of star Wars ish too. That mm-hmm. their real family is like this really wealthy or, you know, powerful family or something. And they're just like sort of, sort of like somehow mysteriously cut off from that and they rediscover it later. And uh, yeah, I'm like, well, how many of these like what if, if you do get a chance? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like you really should watch Onward if you can. Like it, yeah. it's got some kind of the same Nordic lineage wish fulfillment that uh, that that Avengers had. Uh, of this like connection, even like other parts of Marvel, like Guardians of the Galaxy Two, where is uh, it? Was yeah, it, yeah. you know, was it mm-hmm. like you know he's well, got like this sort of like demigod father and all this stuff? Yeah, and Kurt, Kurt Russell, right, is his pops? Right? Yes, he's yes, where he grew up and as then, a and then, like he, left left him, <laughs> which is a very Luke Skywalker story, right? Uh, that's also thing. very that's also very eighties too. Like, wasn't there? I there was a lot of there was like eighties movies like that about like these like you know. You know, these guys who would come from the future. I mean, shit. Terminator has a weird one like that, kind of with, with the Reese character. One, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not exactly John Connor, like it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a flip of it. His his father's from the future, um, which I think also when, when, when they did the later Terminator and Kyle Reese ended up not being cool in the future, it pissed everybody off. Like he wasn't this like swashbuckling, like you know, super fucking commando. He was like this kind of just like sh- shrug kind of guy who John Connor had to like pick up to go see his mom, and people hated it. They were like, "Oh my god, I want John, I want you know, I want Kyle Reese to be the man," you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he's not the man. That sucks, you know. They they want these like this father who's a god who who flies through the night. Because then, because then, what what does that say about them? That you know, yeah, my my dad, who's a, an accountant, really isn't, you know, he isn't re- my real dad. My real dad's a, a god. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hilarious, actually. Yeah. No, I think it is yeah. interesting that it 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 just because the more we were talking about it, into me, like the more it seems to me that you know, this is like a real fundamental drive in people. And so therefore I feel like it is a fundamental drive in our culture, in our art in film totally. is, is this identity is this issue of like, 
a lineage, identity, and ethnicity, you know? And I think like, it, it's, it's just something that I think white American culture is just not equipped to talk about, uh, no. be, because of the, you know, melting pot ideologies and this like rush to urbanize mix and lose their, um, ethnic identities into this sort of like amalgamous concept of white that, you know, I don't think that that necessarily like the melting pot idea, which I think does describe the reality of white Americans. Like it just doesn't, it, it still leaves open the, uh, the question of ethnic identity. And I just, it just doesn't go away. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can have a hard break from it in history and the people still will seek to reform some notion of national ethnic identity. You know, like I'm starting to sense that if that makes, if that, if that's ringing true at all, um, there's a fundamental desire for it or drive for it. And I'm seeing it in movies. Totally. More more. Yeah. I think every, every decade or generation or so, there has to be a kind of reformation in America of, what the identity is for everyone, but also the American identity, the white American identity. I mean, I think, you know, and flipping back to like black culture, that's why I think Black Panther was so important, not for black people, but for white people, because A, it did a couple of things for them. A, it made Africa kind of forgive America, if you think about it, the whole thing mm-hmm. where like, you know, he goes to the UN and yeah. he says, I'll now give, I'll now give my resources to you and we can make a bridge, right? And then what? Who's the great enemy? The black guy who whose father is from... Ah, that's a that's an interesting father trope right there. Yeah, Killmonger's that's one dad too. Yep. being from uh, Wakanda and his father being killed, right? And he's, the, he's a fatherless guy, but he knew his father kinda, but his father was uh, wrongfully murdered and he, now he wants revenge, right? So the wrongfully murdered father and you want revenge. But his 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 transgression is kind of put secondary to the global project of Africa now being agreeable to America because America, you know, in the end is is a really good place because that's where, you know, they, they, they breeded Captain America and Captain America can lift Thor's hammer. So the kind of chain link of all these things get really quite nasty and i think black panther really is more for white consciousness than it is for any kind of black consciousness or black consciousness that wants to really be within the kind of white power structure and agreeable to it it's really i mean i i I find the marvel movies as they keep going very 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 suspect to a a high degree (laughs) yeah Yeah, as they keep going i I keep going i keep going shit these they get more propagandistic. I mean, there was like the basic propaganda of like aliens and things like that. Like that's been in movies for years from like Independence Day. Like, you know, that's fine. But as they kept on going, wow, the way they were able to kind of form in the kind of what you're talking about, ethnic identity is really quite interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Black Panther and all that whole thing was created by, you know, the white creators at Marvel. Yeah. Um, so from that origin, that's why I was like, when Todd Nahisi Coates was like, I'm going to start, he was, he was going to write Black Panther. I think he just finally, he left his run recently. I was like, what's yeah. that going to do to the character? I, I didn't see that as being like the savior or like, it's going to completely reinvent it. I'm like, what would be better is if you created your own character. Totally. Um, in your own sort of comic book line, 
you know, not not at DC, not at Marvel, like just do your own thing. Wait, um, Adam, how how close to the comic book? Wait, so did did Coates actually write the the did he actually help create the Black not Panther? Not the movie, but movie? after the movie came out, oh, he movie. wrote the comic book. So Black, yeah. Black, Black Panther got another run. So like it, uh, these titles will get canceled and then like a, a writer and artist will pitch uh, to reopen it. And then this Marvel or DC will just be like, okay, we'll have another run. And then um, once that creative team ends, unless another team comes along, it'll just end. And then someone else will have to start it again. So, you, you know, you know what was kind of, kind of mind blowing though was like how because at around the same time, Crazy Rich Asians came out, and people were asking, "Oh, is this going to be the the Black Panther for Asians?" And I got to <laughs> say that I felt it was kind of in a way it was very similar. Like they were very similar yeah. stories in a way, totally. Where Singapore was Wakanda for like yeah. Asian people, yeah, and. Mm. Rachel Chu was actually there was actually a lot of similarities between Rachel like the the Rachel Chu character and uh um uh sorry what's his name uh, Killmonger because yeah. she actually like it turns out later from what i understand in the sequels she, it turns out that her father who she is completely estranged from she's like she, she grew up with just a mother in New York mm-hmm. and Killmonger grew up uh without did he grow up with just a with just a mom, just I a believe. mother, just the mom yeah. in uh in like Oakland or something or or in 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 the U.S. somewhere. And yeah. um, Rachel Chu grows up just with a mother, but then later finds out that her father is actually like one of the billionaires in oh in, really in, in the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. It goes there really. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So later she finds out that she actually is not just you know. Uh, you know, raised by single mom Rachel True from Flushing, but that her father is actually one of the billionaire titans in China. That's a really that is a really old trope in movies. It's a really old trope. I'm I'm trying to access one. This whole thing that you find out that you really it's like uh, remember Spaceballs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right when he fight when he he wants to marry Princess Vespa and he can't because she's a marry a prince and then right. yogurt lets him know that you really actually are a prince. That's what the medallion yeah. on your neck has been the whole time, right. letting you know you're a prince. It's it's a and, yeah. And yogurt's known this the whole time, by the way. <laughs> yes, by the way. But that see that that movie is brilliant because it takes all those tropes and just yeah. treats them serious. Like, oh, well, it doesn't treat them seriously, but it like. It, it it's it, it satirizes them yeah totally it's um, great it's it, it but it like combines them all and it but with like a expert's understanding of of where they should be used and and where to twist them and um but teen you were gonna ask me like how close the movie was to the to the comics uh the black panther yeah i'm just wondering if like um, if the movie uh the you know the the, the well there is only one black panther but like whether a lot of the elements of like Killmonger and uh, like the story of Killmonger and all that was like actually uh, faith- faithful uh, to the comics. No, or well, Killmonger's uh, different. I don't remember his original story. Killmonger is different. Yeah, he's very different. He um, he does he does want to he does feel like he has um a, a claim to the throne, and he does usurp T'Challa a couple of times, um, but he's not as sympathetic in the comic books. Yeah. He's like, so he's in the really movie, they make him very sympathetic. Yeah. Um, 
I think they actually make his character better uh, in the in the movie. Um, I don't know if they really intended that, but they you know they made that character better. They made Black Panther worse. So like T'Challa isn't as um, one note in the comics. I don't think um, in the movies he's very. He's not. He's a golden um, boy in the movies. Yeah, huh? he's a gold, he's a pure golden boy. Yeah. Yeah, he's not very interesting at all. Uh, in the comics, well, he's, he's, he's flat in the movies. God. Yeah, very flat. And I'm not saying that, that that the actor was flat. I think I'm just saying that the the, the way they wrote it was really bad. Totally. Um, but in the comics, he's a lot more nuanced. Uh, he he's he's sort of um, he's a much more important figure in the comic books. I think to the whole world. Uh, Marvel Universe then they didn't really do him justice in the movie like you know it's not surprising that people are like Killmonger was the much more interesting uh, but also Michael B. Jordan is a much more dynamic actor and all that stuff too but um, yeah it's um, I was surprised I, I, you know I'm, I was surprised they made a Black Panther movie not, not because oh I didn't think they were going to make a movie about a black person but um, I just thought that Black Panther wasn't um, he wasn't the most interesting black character they have. I honest. knew they would. They, they they have been planning that for decades. Like Wesley yeah, Snipes had tried had tried to do it, and then once remember Black Panther. I think he appeared in one of the Marvel video games. Yeah, no, you're right. I just right. maybe I'm being naive, but yeah. I <laughs> and, I, and I think there's something like I, I think the interesting thing about him. I think he's more attractive to white creators because he's doesn't take place in America. I actually think yeah. this idea of Africa of being off land and and of ethnic characters not being American, like they 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 wouldn't make a Luke they wouldn't have put Luke Cage in there. Right? Luke Cage for them could only be a TV show. He can't be a major character. I think they they like this large world building, but also because it's not in the American context, it's like Africa and for them, Africa is just one large country. They can just make some That's mythical right. shit up and it's, it just right. be, this is Africa. And you're just like, That's okay. Right. And it's not even where in Africa. It's not even And they're not even in like an actual African country. <laughs> no, they're just in they're a fictional one. In a fictional one. Because, you know, because black Americans also, honestly, look, black Americans these days, a lot of them are saying Wakanda more than they do Africa. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, Dude, I'm, I'm gonna crazy. be fucking real. Like it's crazy. Like they'll they'll do Wakanda forever, man. And you y- you say Chad, and they don't know where it is. A lot of them. Like I- I'm gonna be fucking real. You know. You know. Yeah. It's it's really interesting, man. You see this now with a lot of Asian Americans. Um, that this you know like there's a there's a recognition of the sort of subordinated status and degrade. Like I'll just go and say it, like there's a sort of degraded status of Asian people in America versus sort of like a projected image of Asian people in Asia as like, you know, and it, it almost doesn't matter. Like the, it almost doesn't really matter what the reality is, but it's, it's easier to back up when Asia is sort of on the rise. It is now, but this idea of, Oh, we come from a land where like, you know, we're like really powerful people. And we, you know, this like, like we're, we're way more than what we are just here in America. And, uh, I see that come up a lot more, and I felt like uh, Crazy Rich Asians was a little bit like that. But that movie reminded me most of coming to America. That was what, hmm. you know, that's what it, it was almost like uh, yeah. 
Crazy Rich Asians was almost like the Asian sequel to Coming to America in a way where like, <laughs> you know, it's like after they go to Zamunda, like it just, you know, it yeah. becomes Singapore and then everyone's Asian all of a sudden. But, you know, like one of the parts of Coming to America I really liked was uh, how like they were able to take this like black American guy who was like considered a successful black guy. He had like a restaurant, you know, he, he had a McDowell's and everything. Yeah. And he lived in Jamaica and he had a nice house and he was a, a standing member of the business community in New York, in Queens. But it was completely, it was almost a sort of considered like a sad, what, like what's the term? Like, um, like it, it was considered like a very um, provincial type existence compared to this prince coming from Africa. You know what I mean? And, yeah, totally. And that was Rachel Chu. Like her mother was the number one real estate agent in Flushing. I mean, that's the same thing as owning a McDowell's, you know? And then like, mm. she, you know, she meets these, uh, you know, billionaires from Singapore and it was kind of like James Earl Jones going, oh, you little people, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it, it was interesting. I, I was watching Coming to America again the other day, and there's like this scene towards the end though, where McDowell kind of like tells off James Earl Jones. Yes, and, and, yes, and, it, and in the end, James Earl Jones is is like even more stuck up though. Like McDowell actually has a bit, even though he's a bit of an asshole, and he he wants everybody, he wants his his daughters to go off with the rich guys. When it when it gets down to it though. He really knows the deal about what about what being a good human being is. <laughs> While James Earl Jones, yeah, yeah. these old this old guard stuff, that they're so far gone in that classic shit, you know. Except for his wife. His wife, you know, she yeah. kind of sets him straight. It it tells him, you know, well, the kid wants to, you know, it's time to be a new Africa and connect to our old, you know, to to our people from here and so forth and so on. Yo, by the way, there's a there's a sequel coming out this year to Coming yeah. to America. Yes, what? directed. No. Yes, directed by uh, Craig Brewer, the guy who did Hustle and Flow and and the Dolomite movie, which is very strange. <laughs> <laughs> which is very strange. Yeah, but you know, oh, interesting. You know that, you know that, that, that guy huh. does Blackish episodes. He's one of the directors on Blackish. Oh, uh, okay. Craig Brewer, hmm. the guy, the guy who did Hustle and Flow, white white guy. Oh, it, really? Oh, well, the original was a white guy too. It was. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Landis, I think. Yeah. Jonathan Landis, who did like trading places and all that stuff, you know, and uh-huh. you know, he was. I mean, Eddie Murphy said it's like the director that he liked working with the most, you know, because Beverly Hills Cop. He did. Oh, Beverly Hills Cop three. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> he, he 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 didn't do the good one. Oh, he directed Thriller. Oh shit. Oh, this he's this guy's responsible for like half of like big time yeah. black uh, big Damn. big time black yeah. movies in the 80s or something Jeez. he was one of those okay. there, there, were, there was like three or four white directors that they got to do all the black things norman jewison oh, jonathan jonathan landis uh, norman jewison edward schwick like there's like Wait, it's it's are, a trip are they jewish probably a lot of them because a lot of like the music producers for like the early days of rap and hip hop were yeah, exactly jewish. i was just uh-huh. thinking that yeah uh-huh yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, Norrin Jewison is Jewish. You know, he did like in yeah. He <laughs> His did, last name is Jewison. He did. He did. Um, he did in the heat of the night with Sidney Poitier. I mean, Norman Jewison yeah. is a long, but he's also was like a, was like a very like left director kind of mm, him okay. and like yeah. him and Hal Ashby's were like were like were like best friends. Then he did like a Soldier Story in the eighties. You know, he did it. He always, they, but they but they always tabbed a certain like. 
crew of white directors for like 20 years to do all those movies even now to a degree but so these so these guys are like the movie versions of like who's the guy that like helped form or helped sign nwa was it like uh jerry heller or something jerry like heller that? yeah well okay. I, I, I wouldn't say they're as dirty as jerry heller like jewison is probably uh-huh. a, a, a and jonathan landis has like a great rep, a great a great rep, rep, reputation uh-huh. i think what it was is you know white hollywood then would get white directors to be ethnic handlers you I know see. you mm-hmm. you you'd have your white directors who would do the black stories and then the latino stories so forth and so on you know that's how it was like i remember reading what movie was it uh it was some one it was one of the like asian american films they wanted to make and they they were trying they went to all these white directors first I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, they went to all these white women directors. Like, like that was going to be a diversity push. We're going to get a white woman director to do an Asian-American story. I remember reading this and being like, that's insane. <laughs> was this a while ago was. or was it, it a, while ago, a while ago? The 90s. Yeah. It was like in the 90s. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And it was it was absurd. I was like, this is your diversity push? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they 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 were still doing yellow face up to like a minute ago though. So who who, exactly. who, who, who the fuck knows? Who yeah. the fuck knows? Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> oh gosh, man. I'm, but yeah. <laughs> but no, like, you know, in short, like what y'all are saying is like on on point about all of that. And and like, you know, the the need to kind of wipe characters so they can make a kind of new identity for this current America, I think is just so important to hollywood right and i think mm-hmm. you know it's interesting now that i'm talking we're talking about this it's making me think i think there's a um an emphasis on making characters that are able to not be burdened by like old old ideas right so like you know yes i'm a child yes my parents were of the 60s and they were radicals but you know i learned from that but i'm not bound by that anymore Right. right, I'm right, right. part of this new drive for this new America, right? And yeah, you know, it's 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 something very interesting, and and making them something like an orphan just makes it really easy, right? Yeah, but it's funny they can, though, they can make it even moral. What's that? Then they then they think they can make it even moral. Oh, the the parents abandoned them, so I can like abandon my past or some shit, which is bullshit. Right, right, or um, or it's a, a historic, it's a heroic sacrifice, selfless sacrifice. Right, right. like uh, in in the, with the latest um, uh, Star Wars movie. Right. I, I just think that it's funny. It, it is. It just shows that uh, there, there's a bit of hypocrisy to it in my in my opinion because yeah, you know, generally speaking, I would say like Avengers is embraced by like a a much like a politically wide scope and I think probably tends towards more progressive. Uh, it's a, it's a slightly more progressive franchise in my opinion. Um, you could, you could kind of tell by the politics that it plays. Like it does, tr- it does. It is one of the ones that I think tries to go for a little bit of diversity, et cetera, of casting women, et cetera. Yeah. The whole effect of it, the whole notion, the whole like, you know, vibe of it is, is pretty fairly liberal progressive. And What's interesting to me is, you know, it's the same if it's liberal progressive, it's the same group of people that I think are super alarmed by white 
nationalist alt-right types that are like like you know like resurrecting odinism and you know and 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 you know uh what's the word like you know playing around with white identity and ethnicity dabbling in uh you know proto-european and proto-nordic ideas of white ethnicity and it just seems hypocritical because i feel like that's exactly what they're doing totally yeah you know what i mean yeah. like without and even totally. in an even stronger more in sometimes my opinion as a as a non-white person watching it explicitly obvious ways and yet i've never heard anyone any white person really say that that's what's going on so it seems to me to be the it's like the thing itself like they're not talking about it they're doing it if that makes sense you know like they're mm-hmm. actually just straight up doing it well it's I, interesting do you think white people see themselves as ethnic no, see, that's the thing. And I feel like that's what's missing. I, I feel like they're starting to feel the the missingness of that lack of ethnicity. That's what that's yeah. what I think is driving it. I think that there's a yeah. demand now. There is a strong demand for as America becomes more lost, like this generation does not have the Gordon. It, it can't it can't like be led along by the Gordon Gecko anymore because of like, just look at our country, you know, like that's yeah. it, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. but and I think in times like this, who's the Martin Sheen? Like, who's the one that can bring you home, you know, like, uh, and, and, and get back to those simpler, you know, value those home, you know, those family values and stuff. They thought and, it was Bernie, I guess, probably. Right. Yeah. Like, I think Bernie had that kind of grandpa kind of feel to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. totally. They I think that's why him. he had a lot of fans. Yeah. Yeah. I think Trump yeah. serves that for a lot of reactionary types, but I was going to say that it's interesting because Trump is really Gordon Gecko, you know, late, mm-hmm. but for yeah, many yeah. he's Martin Sheen, and it makes no sense. I mean, it makes no I, sense. He's both I, at makes the same no time. Sense. He's both at the same time. <laughs> it's really weird. It's, it's really so strange. Weird, it's yeah. so strange, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. I think y'all are y'all are on point. Honestly, like straight up. Like, and I, I even think if if you went. If you wouldn't get some real, real film historians, they, they could they can show you how these things are built up through the decades and constantly reaffirmed. Mm-hmm. And you know the interesting thing is if the the idea of broken families has always been big when it comes to like American stories, right? So what they always try to do is find a way at the end of it for the. For, for them to claim their identity in some way. And I guess this is the new claim, right? We're seeing this. They, they acknowledge that something is broken. So now every decade there has to be a new claim. And now we're seeing the new claim because of this uncertainty of where America is right now. I think that's right. Yeah. I think, I think it must be the case that filmmakers seem to be aware of this and are totally, you know, subconsciously. Like that, that, subconsciously. Sometimes I feel like it's almost, so on the nose that like I feel like they're designing it, yeah, you know, in a way. Totally, like I, it's I really total. do. Yeah, I mean, total. I, I, like we were saying, Teen, about how like with Avengers, though it's sort of ostensibly progressive. They're doing a lot of this sort of uh, ethnic, ethnic identity building, but like explicitly, like you're saying with uh, Captain America, he's the only one that's worthy to hold like a god's hammer, and I think. Even if it's subconscious, but I do think part of it is conscious. They're probably seeing like 
the far right stuff. And they're like, oh, that's, we don't want that sort of white ethnicity. Mm-hmm. It's very um, conscious. We want to choose yeah. like a mm-hmm. good example of it, right? Captain America so. is, even though he's a military guy, he's a good soldier. He's the good cop. He's moral, you know, he's morally like a really good person. Uh, and he, and he basically, and he was created in the forties and in fifties. Right. And that was sort of like the peak of America and the peak of American moral, uh, 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 you know, moral standing. And we want him to be the one, you know, not, not like, you know, all the bad examples of it. Right. We don't want like Charles Lindbergh or I don't know, other bad examples of, of white males. So I think they, they, if they're consciously doing it, they're choosing Captain America because he's the best that we can do. I, I think that if you take into account what they tried to do with Star Wars but failed, Star Wars was a failure, I think. But the, um, the, and Pixar all coming under Disney. I, I do think, and if you look at the history of Disney, I mean, they're much more than just a simple movie studio. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah, Dis- totally. Disney does a lot of stuff. Team. Yeah, they're a propaganda. They're, they they work 100%. directly with the government, and they I think they're they're doing social planning, in my opinion, at a very high level. And there's there's a lot of things about what they do, especially with Pixar, uh, that make me feel like there is a project of like sort of ethnic uh, definition, and you know what it means to be white in America, because uh, that's really all they care about. I mean, like. Leaving Wakanda aside or whatever, I mean, these movies are about what does it mean to be a white person, in my opinion. Totally. Like, yeah. Pixar, top to bottom, is all about that. Yeah. Um, you know, how to be like the Incredibles, you know, like it's, 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 you know, how, how does a, what's the identity of a boring white suburban uh, family that <laughs> it's really you know, is how, superheroes? Yeah. Like, how do you guys think of, how do you, you know, what do you, how do you think of yourself, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know if it's good or bad to be honest. Like I don't necessarily feel great when I see it, but I like, it might be inevitable that white people need some ethnic identity. I just don't know whether inventing one wholesale out of cloth is necessarily the way it's done or maybe it is. Maybe that's how society's always did it. I have no idea. There's no well, investigation yeah. though. I think that's the issue. It's like, you know, the one thing, the reason why I always give my time more to movies made out of Europe when it comes to looking at white culture is there is a there is at best an acknowledgement of the complications of their culture even if they don't go all the way but they, mm-hmm. they there's a, there, there, there's there's an investigation in these movies there's there's no investigations I mean maybe the great filmmakers were doing you know like people like Cassavetes were doing investigations on definitely on whiteness even though they never said the word white you know he was doing a deep investigation on his own mentality, you know, and, and, and his own lifestyle. Right. But mm-hmm. a lot of these movies, there is no investigation. It's just, right. this is who we are. And they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're screaming it to me. It's, it's, it's almost, it's pretty much third Reich. Like if you look at all, it, right, it is, yeah. if right? you look at third Reich propaganda, it moves in the same way. It's maybe a bit more bubblier. They don't do it as harshly as say some of the anti-Jewish stuff that you would see in the third Reich stuff. But like, but, it's the same energy. Yeah, but even with the Third Reich stuff, um, uh, Hitler and Goebbels and and sort of the propaganda mach- and, and the people who were tasked with sort of creating justification for what they were doing, yeah, um, they leaned heavily on um, like Germanic tradition, yeah, and sort of like the 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 old 
like Teutonic, like, you know, the history of the German mm. peoples. But perverted so, it though. But but they perverted it though, right? They like did. they would they use the did, they would use the it. symbols and stuff. Yes, yes, but they 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 tried to co-opt it. Right. right? And I think what Intumi you're saying is that they're just like with Americans, we're just trying to say it it exists and there's like no reference to anything else. It's just right. sort of we are X. Right. And, and it's and not I because mean, we are X because of, you know, Y that came before. Um Yeah, so uh, it, it, I think with European film, there's there's much more of the where do we come from aspect. <laughs> yeah, and but where it's like the Third Reich, the reason why the Third Reich films there's actually a really great documentary called um, Oh God, it's it's about all the Third Reich films. I, f- I forget the name of it. It's really really good. I'll 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 look it up in a second. But the the thing that I the similarity is is. Unlike the other great European times in cinema, this is why all third right films are looked up as all looked on as jokes. Mm. They do the same thing that like Avengers does is they 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 use the historical stuff, but mm-hmm. they use it purely in a propping up kind of manner, right? Right. They right. use it purely to prop up and they'll do no well, like, you know, if you watch a Truffaut film, there is this investigation of what Frenchness is. You watch a Melville film, you'll see that. It's an investigation of what what it is to be French in this society or Fassbender or Fassbender, the German filmmaker, you would see this investigation of real German principles, mm-hmm. its complications, and how it's killing German society. While the Third Reich is like, this is who Germans are. They're taking all this stuff you said and like, ah. And I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. I feel like when I watch Avengers, I'm seeing that shit as well. That's why shit like Starship mm-hmm. Troopers to me is so brilliant. You know, Starship Troopers is, is then taking the Third Reich stuff putting in it uh, an American kind of face on it and showing you what the shit really, how the shit really exists. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And that was he's, he's kind of a lot more sophisticated than people give it credit. And he's Dutch, sure. right? Verhoeven is Dutch. Yeah, he's Dutch. Yeah. So he's got that sort of Teutonic, you know, view of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, he hates brings he, him a little he, bit out of the American. Yeah. He made RoboCop, you know, look at him. He, 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 yeah. he, 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 he hates high, you know, states, anything with st- of state control he's just he's anti it you know i think that's why i really don't like pixar at the end of the day is that i i feel like they're really good at playing they they like know the american soul like to a t and they know how to play it like an instrument and so they're so good at manipulating emotions and making you feel all of those you know like people are always crying at 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 pixar movies and it it just really knows how to pluck the, you know, the pressure, the emotional pressure points of Americans. And I feel like it just creeps me out that they know how to do it, you know, one. And two, like, like you said, like their movies don't really deal with reality. They're fables. Like you're just inventing yeah. these fables. And um, on the one hand, I, I see the need for the invention of fables. I mean, all societies did this, but just oh, yeah, of course. not not with like. Not one, not ones that were so sickly sweet. Like they're not like fables to me. Like there's a certain lack of wisdom in these things. They're, they're more like confections right. yeah. and I, I, I don't see them doing much more than trying to just build consensus without much th- larger thinking or in, like you said, investigation into, well, what, what, what is important about culture? Like, what is it yeah. that we will actually want? Is it important for people to know about? you know themselves it's more just like how do we play 
the the mo the you know the strongest chord right now that we can and just pack the theaters you know and um i i don't know like i, I do when you say like third reich i i, I get really creepy feelings from pixar sometimes because really? the world i see in it is not it's sort of a fantasy world and it's like oftentimes it's very bl- like bleached and they literally like some of the ways they use for example like racial tropes like the black sidekick like literally mm-hmm. the guy's name is frozone like really like like they you know they the in 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 onward there's a black character in there too where it's the sassy black woman like they don't say she's black but it's weird because like nobody is an actual human so there's no race and yet racial stereotypes still come through like you know who's white you know who's black even though they're all like fantasy creatures and stuff well even if they're fish like in finding nemo (laughs) even if they're fish yeah (laughs) right and what's What's weird about that is like how I feel like they're reinforcing like, you know, regressive ideas, but because they're hiding it through animation, it, it, it's just, they can, they can deal with that. They can deal in white ideals without coming across as, as too white, even though the voice acting is going to be almost all white characters if you look at Toy Story, like all the toys are white. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every single one of them is white. But no one ever talks about that because it would be laughed out of the room if you said that, oh, Toy Story is too white. What are you talking about? They're toys, you know? Um, yeah, there's something something creepy about Pixar, man. I don't know. Well, they bring in psychologists and all types of people to make those movies. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised that, you know, the studio had to say, we have this agenda and they get the right people to kind of help them craft these stories. And psychologically, they probably let them know, well, you got to keep them all white or you got to do this or you got to do that and so forth and so on. You know? Oh, yeah. I feel like I feel like what was that movie Inside Out? I feel like Inside yeah. Out, they were just like, let's just take the psycho- the psychologist report that that like formed the basis for all of our movie making. Let's just make the report as a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just yeah. make a movie of the report. You know, they read that yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, and it's brilliant because you can, you can say more when it's fantasy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like South, the South Park effect. Yeah. yeah. Like the South Park effect. Like you could say yeah. things that are, that are so much more out there simply because it's animation. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was a, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Ben. No, I th- I have two things. One, Norman Jewison yeah. isn't actually Jewish, but I thought he was because he okay. did Fiddler on the Roof, but he's not. And uh, <laughs> okay. the 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 doc I was talking about is Hitler's Hollywood. It's a great. Uh, okay, it's about it, it goes through all it goes through like the period of all the Third Reich films, and you know, in, you know, Ingrid Bergman starred in one. Mm-hmm. Ingrid Bergman starred in a in a Third Reich film, and then she left the right right after because she didn't want to do it anymore interesting tidbit yeah a lot of those german directors ended up going to hollywood right um well beforehand the the one the we had like 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 fritz long they wanted to kill fritz long he he was afraid that that goebbels wanted to murder him i did goebbels like to kill people yeah because he he did that film um the testament of dr mabuse who they all believed was about hitler Oh really? Okay. He, he mm. and, and Fritz Long said it wasn't about Hitler, but like Goebbels and Hitler were like incensed about it. They thought it was about it's about a guy who 
starts a crime spree, but he's not via like uh like uh recordings, like propaganda recordings. Mm-hmm. So they all thought he was talking about Hitler, and he and Long wasn't. It was like a crime story, and uh, Goebbels hated it, and Long just like. He said he was supposed to have a meeting with with uh, with Goebbels about making movies, and Long he went to uh, Hollywood to flee. He was so afraid. Smart man. Yeah, he was very smart because he probably would have got killed at some point. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh, um, let's see where we at. We had an hour twenty yeah. plus. Yeah. We've uh, this has been. I'm telling you, to be like this this topic. You know, ever since I watched that movie, like I've just been obsessed with it to a degree because, um. I don't know. Like as a non-white person, I, I feel like I've always noted that there, 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 there is a kind of missingness to white identity that is like non-white people. I think in America have an instinctual, instinctive understanding of each other's, not each other as people, but each other's place in white society. Like there's totally. a, do you know what I mean? Like there's an understanding of the feeling yeah. of that. And that feeling to me comes across as an attitude about white people. And what I see in white people in America definitely is a sort of a cultural confusion that I'm seeing that movies are starting to fill that gap. And uh, it's it's very interesting to watch, but at times it can be disturbing uh, to see <laughs> to see. Uh, but yeah, that's, that it's it's uh, it was a great conversation. Like I um, we should yeah, revisit man. the topic. We should. So, I mean, I, I, and I'll think about it more. It's funny. I, I do have the the pleasure of, of working with some really good film historians at, at, at my school. I, I I'll actually bring this up to them and ask them what their their thoughts on it. Yeah, because I'm curious. Oh, yeah. It must have come up before. Like, it, th- th- this must be a topic that people have looked into before or something. Yeah, like, this, this if can't you look be at new. if you look at like historical, there's there's some good books on like historical studies on like the development of. Um, American identity through films, and I've read a lot of the essays. I'm that's not that's not my um my expertise, you know. But like I've read a lot of the essays, and it's interesting, especially when you look at like the ethnic identities, like Italian identity or like Jewish identity, and how they've used kind of movies to kind of re uh, reshape their life, movies and theater, you know, and 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 mm-hmm. reshape their their defined <clears throat> existence. So these tropes come out out of this effort to kind of um, make a statement about who they are in the world. You know? Right, 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 it's right. interesting. Yeah. Totally makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, the, and and comparing it to, like, Hitler's Hollywood or the Third Reich docs and stuff like that, I mean, that's exactly what they were trying to do back then, right? Like, yeah. they were absolutely trying to instill some sort of new national, you know, reinvigorate the na- national identity, create this notion of a new race and things like yep. this. And, and, and that when you say yeah, it, it seems very Third Reichish. I mean that that is, I, I I think that is kind of what we're doing in a way, you know. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. I mean Lenny Lenny Riefenstahl, the the queen of the Third Reich film. She's taught in film schools. You don't leave film school without watching her stuff. Wow. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, Yo, a thanks a lot for coming on, Professor. Oh, man, to, yeah. Thanks uh, for having me. For to sure. educate us a little bit on the topic, oh, man. It's, it's y'all. It's, y'all it's, killed it before, though. Y'all, y'all were y'all were <laughs> hitting at the part before I even got here. So you know, I, I was it. I was just adding little tidbits. You know, no, but, no, no. it's just you that, a lot, man. Y'all too killed office it. hours, office hours, man. You know, we're at pupils, man, but we need some office hours. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Anytime, brother. So, and, and right. as an, a future topic, I would love to have you on 
to talk about sort of either the differences, similarities, and just talk through sort of what film, music, and like video games as like visual and storytelling uh, mediums. Let's sort definitely of learn do from that. each other and uh, what one can do, the others can, and just sort of chop it up on that because I would love I think, to do that. You know, obviously, there's a lot of conversation now about video games because it's like it's a bigger entertainment medium and art medium than you know movies and music like combined you know now these days so it'd be and more powerful to, like, in my opinion yeah yeah has, at least it has the potential to be more powerful oh yeah um, for sure I think, I think on a blockbuster level video games are far more interesting you yeah know, and i think about, i think in a way movies yeah. it's almost like movies and music are gonna be like the you know how like movies would spin off like music like you would have a soundtrack that would resurrect a certain type of music or a certain, you know, like the soundtrack came off the movie. Now it's like the movie comes off the video game. You know, (laughs) it's like the video games and the movies. It's like a, it's just like a promotional item. Yeah. 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 That's how big these games are, man. They're huge. And I don't even know anything about them. (laughs) Anyway. All right. All right. right, Yes. Yes.